overcoming crisis. So let's take a look at, for a few moments, crisis. Let's say that um, everything is going well in your family, and sir, you are the primary breadwinner. All of a sudden, you have a small business, and you are stricken with a debilitating sickness that takes you out of the picture. You are the visionary. You are the one. You don't have a deep second person in charge. And um, you think, wow, what am I going to do? I would say that's probably a crisis. A crisis could be to a single parent, single mom, making ends meet on a monthly basis, not putting much money back in savings to speak of, but the roof gets old and the roofer says you got to have a new roof or roof. According to where you're from, how many say roof? How many say roof? It's good. The roofs have it. And the cost of that is $5,000, $6,000, And you check your savings account and you look, well, I got 10% of that. And that has to be done. Would you call that a crisis? Yeah. Let's say that, let's say that you have a son or a daughter. You raise three kids. The two kids are just like mommy and daddy. But that third one is a hellion. Taken from your side of the family. They're rude. They're disrespectful. They've moved out. The car they drive is in your name for now. There's a mortgage on the car or money's owed on the car, insurance. It's totaled, they're in jail. Would you call that a crisis? What I want to get to you is this. You and I never know when the unthinkable is going to hit us. We usually don't posture ourselves in a mode of spiritual warfare until the crisis hits us. And then if we're not careful, we don't see a crisis that sometimes is on the horizon. We like to talk about our nation, and we like to talk about thousands and thousands of babies being aborted. We like to talk about the drug crisis. We like to talk about juvenile delinquency. We like to talk about all of those things. 
but we don't see it as a crisis that directly relates to us. And so we as a church often don't do anything or very little to combat that other than acknowledge it. We need to pray, everybody says. But nobody really digs in and takes it super seriously. And in this case, we know that there are critical moments, moments that we have to make decisions and we have to make them just that fast. How do you come through what seems to be the impossible? How do you come through and seemingly cannot get that which is obtainable? How do you, how does that single parent pay that $8,000 roofing bill? How does that family keep that business solvent and keep it going when the major visionary who's not able to fill the part of leadership for that business, how long, how long will it last? How do we respond when that loved one, of course, that rebellious person in your family has finally hit rock bottom? And what do you as a parent? Oh, I, I tell you what I'd do. I'd be tough love. They would sit in jail until they rot. And let me give you a little insight, and if that's your attitude, that may be one of the reasons your child, because authority and implementing authority are two different things. How you love people, how you relate to people. We know that the crisis in critical moments, we say, what do we do? Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. Not every, how many of you have a rich uncle? Not many. Not many people. How many of you have a rich brother? Sharon does, and Joe Jasso. It's her brother. <laughs> but not everybody has a rich brother. Amen? Not everybody has a rich uncle. Not everyone can go to mom and dad and say, hey, mom and dad, I know you got some retirement and I know y'all going to die pretty soon. If you don't mind, what about going ahead and giving me my inheritance now? Because I really do need it, you know? And you know that, God, you, you know my brother, mom and dad, he's, he's well off. He's doing real well. I think I ought to get it all and I need it all right now. That usually doesn't happen. Do you get an amen out of that? It usually doesn't happen. Then how do you deal with it? How do you take crisis and turn them around, not on your own, but engaging God to be able to do that? And we have an illustration as it relates to 2 Chronicles 20 in the man that we call Jehoshaphat, an individual that met crisis, that had assets, and that's where we find him. He has a situation that is a major crisis. He and his army of Israel, they're threatened by the Moabites, and the Moabites are saying, we are going to march 
against you. We are going to overwhelm you. We're going to take everything you have, and nothing is going to be left. We're going to rape your women. We're going to torture your children. We're going to take your houses, and we're going to destroy them. We are taking over. And what do you do? Jehoshaphat looks around, and he says, okay, who, uh, who can I turn to? And everybody says, hey, king, we're turning to you. You are the lead man. And you can't, as the lead man, turn and say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is. I'll tell you what, in the middle of the night, I'm leaving town. Y'all try to make it on your own. And Jehoshaphat was fearful of their attack. So if you can, with me for a moment, imagine a crisis situation. If you can, with me a moment, take something that maybe you've experienced, and, and listen carefully. Few people on the majority of whole ever face the kind of crisis that without God, there'd be no way out. I mean, without God, Jehoshaphat had no options. He didn't have dial a friend or anything like that. It was just God, the Moabites have been after us for a long, long time. And here's what he did that we may need to pay attention to in crisis situations. That delinquent child, that that roof that we know, the roof just doesn't sneak up on us and get bad all of a sudden. And if it does, it's because of a storm, and may it really hit your roof hard so the insurance pays for it. He called a fast. Say that with me. He called a fast. Fasting is something that is a bit foreign to the American culture today. It's a bit foreign to the average church today. Call a fast. You'd ask some people, what, what does that mean? Call a fast. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. What that meant was that, my friend, that you were monitored, you better be engaged in the fast. It wasn't something that you get to pick and choose. He called a fast for everyone. And what does a fast do? One of the wonderful characteristics of fasting is it, it, it lifts you spiritually and causes you to get closer to God. Number two, it causes you in the fast to begin to take a personal inventory of your own life and you say, all right, God, I want to confess my sins. I'm going to die if the Moabites come in here. I want to fast. That's God's way. It's God's will. It's God's desire. I'm fasting and I'm getting rid of all the sin in my life. I confess it right now. And then, Father God, realizing I don't have any strength, I have no armament, I don't have a way out, I humble myself and say, God, unless you intervene, we are nothing but dust. We're nothing but dust. But those are so contrary to human nature. And we find in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says, if my people are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face. Here's what he said, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Yes, Lord, I understand that. But how do you move into the arena from the impacting crisis into the arena of faith to believe? God, you're going to answer prayer here. That child of mine down there in the jail, God, we have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. They're in the pit. They're in the pigsty. Some way or another, you're going to reach them. 
you're going to reach them. In Mark 9, 28, it says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Talking of a demon, he replied, this time, this kind only comes out by prayer. Another version by prayer and fasting. Those disciples said, we gave it everything that we got. He said, hey, you give it everything you've got. But let me tell you, there are some things that will not change by you tiptoeing through the tulips. You will have to learn to really dig in on a fast and you pray and believe God the hard things come through personal sacrifice and seeking the face of God. But when is the last time you faced a circumstance that drove you to your knees? We often wait until we have a reason to have to do that before we do it. But I suggest to you, if you have a wayward son or daughter or grandchild, her great-grandchild, that ought to be enough reason, who are not serving God and rebellion, that ought to be enough reason to drive us to our knees. For what if the rapture took place? What if some that you work with that are not right with God, oh, you love them, they're great people, should it drive you to your knees to say, God, they need a good dose of religion by the power of God? Number two, he acknowledged the sovereignty of God. Sovereign means he is supreme and stands high above all else alone. He's supreme and stands high above all else. In other words, when I sing the praise songs, I come to the realization without him, I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing without him. I have nothing. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Without him, I have nothing. Mom and dad, I can't go to you. I have nothing unless I have almighty God. You come to the conclusion, I don't have a crutch. A crutch often will keep you away from fasting and praying. But God, here's what I know. It's you and me, Lord, and I'm standing on your word. You are all that I have, and I'm going to dig in and drill down on my relationship with you. Somebody say amen. He says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. In other words, God, you are above everything. You rule the entire universe that I am aware of. God, that roof, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have the money. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But this is one thing I know. You are aware of my problem. I'm going to scratch. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe because I believe that sooner or later you're going to move on the heart of a compassionate roofer and they're going to come by and they're going to help me prepare and repair my roof. It's going to happen, Almighty God. Amen? You see, what he did not do, he didn't say, why, God? God, why? Why? You know why? Because Jehoshaphat knew the Moabites wanted to come after him for a long time. Why? Because he realized, hey, we are the children of Almighty God. 
He realized that God was in control. God is in control. Say that with me. God is in control. God is in control. Say it again. God is in control. God, where that young person is in jail right now, you are absolutely in control. Amen. You are in control. And he committed that control of his own life to God. I can't do anything about this. I, I don't know how to deal with this. God, you know that I'm the visionary for our business. You know, Father God, that if I'm not there, I don't have a go-to person after that to be able to make the calls. I, all that happens is on my shoulder. It's a small business. God, I commit control to you some way or another. You're going to help me. And listen to me carefully, friend. That's why going to church and having fellowship in the church church and having a relationship with others in the church because may I tell you most of the people that will give you a helping hand can be found in the place where you worship can you say amen it's not found at the liquor it's not found at the bar it's not found at Hooters it's not found at Outback most of the time your help comes out of the very place where you worship individuals that love you care for you who have the trade and the skills that will be able to to minister and take you through. If you believe that, say amen. amen. That's the way often that it works. He trusted God with the results. God, here's the deal. The buckets down at Lowe's are cheap. And if the rain comes through the roof, I'll get me some five-gallon blue buckets I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you until it's resolved. Trust God with the results. Here's what happened. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And then here's another, Luke 1, for nothing is impossible with God. Say that with me, for nothing is impossible with God. We all have little just picky yoon challenges that hit us every day. Did you know that? I mean, just picky yoon little things that get in the way that just, just, we think we got smooth sailing and it just, man, it just picks you and just, my Lord, have mercy. I thought I was going to have a great day and all of a sudden that broke loose. But listen to me, we have to live in the realm, not only in the realm of understanding God, if you don't show up, I totally trust you. I trust your sovereignty, but listen, with you, all things are possible. Somewhere around here, there is an answer that I'm going to find and it's going to start first on your knees on your knees the property that I've talked to you about many times in Arcadia that was impossible and the pro bono lawyer who was Presbyterian who wanted to help the little assembly of God church until he found out the preacher won't quit I won't ever forget coming in his office of mahogany and sitting there. And he said, Reverend, I've done all that I can do. I don't think you're going to be able to win this case. And I said to him, but I differ with you. You promised to help us. 
You said you would. I go out to that five acres every day, and I hug an Australian pine. I stay out there until I feel a release to get out of it. You do what, Reverend? I said, I go out to that five acres where there are Australian pines, and I hug that tree until I get released from it. He said, you really do that? I said, yes, I do. And that's why I believe that sooner or later we are going to win. Let's give it one more shot. How many of you know that God loves to wind us up through crisis and then put us in the middle of it and say, you either going to swim or you're going to drown? How many believe we ought to swim until we make it to the other side of the shore? We don't back up, put up, or shut up until we go up. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible. Number three, he reminded God of his covenant. Have you ever had to remind somebody of their promise to you? A covenant is agreement with no contingencies. That's what God does. I love you regardless. I love you if you're stupid. I love you if you're ignorant. I love you if you fail me on purpose. I love you even if you deny me. I love you if you walk away from me. I love you if you don't darken the door of my place of worship. I love you. If you abort the faith, I love you. You will never, ever get away from my love. Why, God? Because that's the covenant relationship that I have with you. And the bottom line is, I will love you if you never turn and acknowledge me ever again. Ever again. I love you. That's my covenant relationship. Do you think a God that has that kind of covenant relationship with us is going to not meet you in the midst of your crisis? Do you believe when you were told that you had cancer, that, okay, I guess I'm just at the will of Moffat and whoever else, you know what happened? We just dig in and say, hey, that's not what we're doing. We thank you, Mr. Moffat, Mrs. Moffat, and the Moffat family and the Moffat institution, and we're going to keep at it. But here's what I do know. My God rules and my God reigns, and God one day is going to come down and going to bring to pass a positive result. And here's what we do. And even if I never get healed. Here's what I want you to know. I'm still going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. If the roof still leaks, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God because sooner or later, God is going to show up and it's going to happen. He reminded him his covenant 2 Chronicles 20 verse 7. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Isn't that what you did, God? You see, in those times, here's what we do. In our fasting, in our prayer, you verbalize your trust. You verbalize your trust. Not only that, you exalt the Word of God. You pray it. You read it out loud. You lift it up. You endeavor to memorize it. You exalt the Word of God. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Hallelujah. And though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Amen. Yes, I know that when I pray, he hears my prayer and he will answer my prayer. We establish faith in the covenant will God. Why? With God. Why? He will not fail. God does not fail. Say that with me. God does not fail. He does not fail. 
In the times of our life, in the times of our family, in the times of leading a church, there have been times I've been scared to death. Times in which, oh God, I don't know which way is up right now. And how did this happen? Where's all this coming from? But you know what? When you practice managing in a crisis, when there is no crisis, you do the drills. And when the crisis does hit, you know exactly what to do. Amen? I've been here before, and I know that God is able. Deuteronomy 14, verse 2. Why? Because you're a people that's holy unto the Lord, and out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Do you think he's going to abort you as a king's kid? Do you think for one minute he's going to let that problem go on without a resolution? Do you think for one, well, I'll tell you, there was a thing. My mama, my mama had a situation, and it seemed like God never showed up. Let me tell you something, friend. God showed up. He just chose to do something different than maybe what your mama wanted to do. But he is closer than the breath that you breathe. And when he chooses to manifest his presence, he will do it in your situation. But it's not likely to happen if you're whining and complaining and don't, where are you at, God? And he puts his hand on his hip and he says, I thought you learned that lesson already. Number four, he declared total dependence on God. Total dependence on God, 2 Chronicles 27. Here it is again, verse Oh, our God, you drove out the inhabitants of the land and your people, Israel. You give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. So if you did that and you gave it to Abraham, your friend, then I'm leaning on you because Christ is will declare your dependence. You're going to make it. You're going to win. You're going to come through. Your present is not anything close to what your future is going to be. Well, I've heard that before, but it doesn't seem to change. And you keep that stinking attitude, and it won't ever change. But if you say, I've got a new fire, amen, I've got a new goal, I've got a new agenda, I've got a new faith, I'm standing on your word, I'm believing you for a miracle. Michael, Michael, I think that's you over there, raise your hand if it is, fighting cancer, second go around, he shouldn't be living. First time he went through it, jumped over the deal into the brain. He should have never made it. And guess what? It's been how many years since that first bout? 25 years. Isn't that a great number? 25 years? 25 years. And, and you know what the devil has done? He showed up again. Showed up again. Said, hey, I'm more fierce this time. 
than I was the first time. What do you think Michael thought? I, I can't tell you. I'm going to assume. What do you think he thought when he went in for that first examination and they said, sir, we know that according to our chart 25 years ago, you had a cancer that should have taken your life and you came through, but listen, you've got it again and it's, it's just more fierce than before. How do you think he felt? I can tell you how I would feel. I'd say, hey, God, for 25 years, I've given you praise. He's testified right here. I've honored you. I've been in church when the doors are open. I behave and live like a Christian. I raise my kids and my family in church. God, I'm giving it everything I've got. I've got a lovely wife. I've got a family. So, so what's up with this? Hello? What's up with this? I've got to go through the treatment. How many has ever been treated for cancer before? I've got to go through all the treatments. I've got to go through all the, all the stuff that's poison that virtually puts into your body. I've got to get all the shots. I've got to have the port. My hair is going to fall out. My eyebrows are going to leave. And I'm going to feel like a wash dish rag when those treatments are over. And, oh, God, what are you going to do? But you know what? When you've learned to come through one crisis and another one hits, you remember some lessons. One is a positive mental attitude. Is that correct, Michael? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if he healed me one time, he can heal me again. Victoria over here. Come on, y'all. Victoria, raise your hands, guys. Victoria, going through again another treatment. That girl has faced more hell on earth than anybody I know of continually at Moffitt. Her, her mailing address is at Moffitt often because she goes. She's got two young children that are teenagers to there. Her husband no longer exists, and the reality, it's back again and again. She's had surgery after surgery, but if you talk to her, you wouldn't get a whiny attitude. You get a I don't know what's going on, but I know this. Sooner or later, God's going to reach down and he's going to heal me and cure me of that cancer. I'm telling you, friend, there are those that are fighting those kinds of battles in the midst of their crisis. And when we say, give it all to Jesus, and they're going through their treatment, they're saying, I thought I did. I thought I'd gone through it. But you know, I want to encourage you tonight Take those two cases and others and make it yours and say, God, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to see that that need is met by the power of Almighty God. Crisis will get your heart in line with your actions. I promise you Victoria is living right, and I promise you Michael is living right. He's not over there. They're not over there saying, what can I get away with as a Christian person? You know what they're doing? Every breath is, God, I'm depending on you. I'm trusting you. Today's going to be a better day than the sick day I had yesterday. I'm just going to keep betting, getting better. God, just one more treatment to go. Isn't that right? One more major treatment to go. And then, okay, another PET scan. I'm going to believe for that PET scan. I'm telling you, there are people that are going through this crisis, and those crises belong to us. Their heart is in line with their actions. And you know what I love most? Both of these individuals and there are others would tell you I'm trusting Jesus but if he doesn't reach down and heal me completely you're not going to steal my trust I'm going to trust him right on until I meet my heavenly father 
And you know what God's going to do in both of their cases? I believe in the name of Jesus, he's going to heal them and give them a greater testimony than they could ever imagine. If you believe that, put your hands together and let's give him one more applause. So the worship team is on their way back to the platform now. Thank you, Kevin. He began to praise the Lord. How many love to praise the Lord? Yesterday I was upstairs and came downstairs and I heard Sharon. She had her iPad out. She's going over praise songs. So I like this one. I love that. You have no idea the power of listening to praise. The power of listening. Thank God we've got Joy FM Christian music. And thank God we got Bill Gaither. And next Sunday we're going to have the Easters. Listen, when you're so down and the roof still leaks and you've not been told you're clean and the kid at the jail is getting even more rebellious sometimes you just praise him hallelujah you just praise him amen so what does old Jehoshaphat do? After consulting the people. I like that song, by the way. Everybody, I called a fast. You've been praying. I just got a text from the king of the Moabites. They're on their way. You can't hide your possessions. Here's what we have that they don't. We have Jehovah God that said we are his people. We are a chosen generation according to God. And one time he drove out the inhabitants and we possessed the land. And what we have is a covenant with Jehovah Jireh who said to us that he'd never forsake us and never leave us. That's what we have. And here's what we're going to do that I believe touches the heart of our God is the power of praise. I want you people, I want you people to engage consulting the people, the appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You're sick, give thanks to the Lord. You're financially facing uphill, give thanks. Give thanks unto the Lord. 
you got a kid that's giving you a fit, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You got marriage problems, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Put that fasting plan together. You've been praying for God to do something for you that's really important to you, then begin to give him praise. Why? Because praise prepares the spiritual atmosphere. Praise releases the Spirit of God. Praise establishes the relationship that we have with God. And then finally, he testified of God's greatness. For when they went out, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had not given them cause to rejoice over the armies. The final resolve. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. Amen. Would you stand? Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you need prayer, you got a crisis, men of school are great. You need prayer. You say, I'll tell you what, I'm standing, I'm holding on. I'm giving my whole parcel of challenge. Wrap it all up. I'm giving it all over to God. You need prayer. As we sing this song of worship and asking you to engage, let's have this moment together as we praise and lift up the name of Jesus. Can we do that? Here we go, everybody. Wait on you to come for a few moments. Here we go. the words up there. Let's sing it, everybody. You need prayer? Come on down.
Every one of these illustrations, every one of them, are right out of this congregation. It's not an illustration that I read. All of those needs are needs that took place out of families in our church. And I could keep going on and on and on. You're here tonight, and that's a sacrifice. May I encourage you, do not ever downplay your willingness and your sacrifice to come to church when the doors are open because the devil's desire is to close the church that's it but listen 
yard talk. It ain't going to happen, y'all. We're going to keep on believing, trusting God. Amen. Amen. And then before we sing this final song, since I mentioned that most all these needs are right out of here, can I tell you, be sensitive to people in your sphere of influence. Ask them, are you okay? You need any help? Is there something I can pray with you about? Do you know what you're going to get most of the time? Oh, no, I'm fine. So let me help you with your answer. If someone comes to you and said, hey, can I help you? Is anything I can do for you? Here's your answer from now on. You're a godsend. You're a godsend. Because I've been praying. I've been praying and I've been believing. But I thought it was going to come by the UPS truck. But it came through you. Yeah, to tell you the truth, this is what I need. And you know what I found? That there are people in this church, if they knew you had need of, because we're family, they'd say, I'm going to help you. Amen? How many believe it? How many love Jesus? Give him an applause. Here we go. Amen. Amen. He said, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Can we sing that together? Say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Sing it one more time. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. To fellowship with somebody, to let them know that you love them, all right, and then leave, all right. God bless you. <laughs> we worship you.
thanks to the Lord. 